This is CliffCentral.com. Womandla on CliffCentral.com. It's Womandla. It is that Wednesday before payday. So guess what? We're talking about money. Because, you know, everybody's got their money on their mind right about this time. But because it's October, because everywhere I look, I see pink ribbons. I see walk for what what. I see everything. It's like breast cancer awareness. It's like the one month of the year where everything around you is concentrated on every type of cancer that women can get. And there's a whole thing about cancer and about the costs of cancer. And more and more and more and more and more people are getting cancer. We were talking, Michelle and I, Yesterday? Was it yesterday or two Mm, days ago? About how 10 years ago, 10 years ago, the number of people that we all knew who had cancer was so rare. But now it's like, oh, do you know so-and-so? Oh, oh!" Yeah, they've all got you. You, you. One think form before, or another. Yeah. And I think today it's almost become, we become almost blasé about it because it has become such a norm. Personally, I think it's the hormones and the chicken we eat. No, it is. Listen, I, there must be something, but also it's longevity. People are living longer and longer, which also makes a huge difference in morbidity and mortality. So people. Are living longer, whereas before somebody used to get cancer and then die from it. But today, because of medical research, they seem to be able to maybe overcome the cancer, live longer because of the cancer, and that is also showing your stats very differently. And one of the things that we cannot discount when we talk about cancer is the cost. Mm. Discount. <laughs> the I didn't even see that coming. (laughs) I did not see that coming. Today is not that day. Today I'm not being facetious about anything. Today is not that day. It's gloomy outside. Oh my gosh. Today I'm for real. I'm hardcore and I'm for real and I'm serious about everything. So I definitely didn't see that pun coming. (laughs) But the cost of it, a couple of years ago, there was a huge and for for weeks in the papers, all we could see was the the amount that medical aids are willing to mm. pay for dread disease, the amounts that people are spending. There was a court case. There was a court case with Discovery. I remember that court case for a young lady that wanted some medication from overseas. And they and yes. and the medical aid said no. I think one of the things that we are seeing a lot of right now is a lot of people are, are thinking about the cost of their medical aids. The years coming to an yeah. end. It's time to make your decision about what plan you're going to be on next year. Do you want to downgrade? What do you want to do? And of course, as we saw a couple again a couple of weeks ago on all the posters, you know, I never buy the paper. <laughs> I never buy the newspaper except for that one time when they were talking about <laughs> babes or <Odum>. But <laughs> I digress. I I always look at the headlines. Mm. As I'm driving Ganejo to school, I look at those headlines on the side of the road and those are the, the those are the things that make me decide if I'm buying the paper or not or which paper yes. I'm buying or not. Yeah. But I think I saw three or four in a row about the astronomical cost of medical aid and how next year They're it's going go. to skyrocket. For me, I think that's what's scaring most people at this point in time because people have to make very hard decisions before the end of this year so that when the medical aid starts next year, they're on the right plans. Um, I have a friend who was never sick, ever. 
And all of a sudden, they decided three years ago to go from a classic comprehensive to a hospital plan because they were never ill. So it, it makes kind of sense in your head to say, mm, you know what? It's I fine. never use it. I never use it. I'm paying really high premiums for a benefit that I'm not utilizing effectively. So three years ago, changed to a hospital plan. Still, nothing happened. December last year, got very, very ill, went to the hospital and was diagnosed with leukemia. Sure. So now the hospital plan, and it is discovery, and I'm going to mention them because they seem to be doing this Quite often, and we've just said that there's been court cases where the funds have run out on the oncology. What does this person now do? They've had to go into their bond access to ensure that this person stays alive. And I think this is what scares me the most, that even if you have a partner, one of you has to make a decision, say, for instance, if a child gets ill and contracts cancer. And leukemia is known as more of a children's disease, but it is also one of the more treatable diseases for younger people. So now what happens? One person has to stop working. The child's cost on their medical bills increases. How do people survive this? How do they actually survive this? And remember, it's not, you will give up anything for your family. We really will. We will rather live on the streets to ensure that our kids are taken care of or our partners are taken care of. But how do you survive something like this? And, and you know, one of the things that when I think about cancer, one of the things that for me is always such a hard decision to make, especially when it comes to the cost they are, mm. is cancer, people survive it. People survive cancer. Yes. But a lot of people don't. Correct. And even as you are making the decision that says, now that my uh, medical aid is no longer paying right. for this thing, what do I do now? You know, do, do I, I keep fighting? Do I keep yes. fighting or yes. do I give up? Yes. Do I let it go? I had a conversation yesterday with, with a colleague who was telling me about an old boss of his and we we're talking just about work pressures and stress and um, uh, her old boss who got stomach cancer. And I was horrified. I was like, oh, my God. And stomach yeah. cancer, you know, is like one of those ones that takes you out. Um, and this just to show the incidence of it. And I said to her, oh, my goodness, I wonder. And, and what happened? And she said, thank God he survived. Good grief. And I was astounded yes. because Every person I know, and I know two or three, who have not survived right. that that particular cancer, type of cancer, then you think, do you fight it? Do you fight it? Do you yes. go into your bond? Do you like? Do you actually? Do you get into the debt? Yes. But I think that. And is then the, what if you don't survive? Does it become a moral question? Because if you look at it from a moral point of view, where somebody actually says, "You know what? I'm done. I'm not going to fight anymore." Then we get to the other side where we go, okay, but the person's going to go through so much pain and so much agony. How do you control that? It, it becomes such a big thing at the end of the day that it's not just one question. Do I fight the cancer? Am I going to survive the cancer? It is, if I, if I go into remission, is it going to come back? There are just so many questions that I think people 
kind of get to a point where they go, I don't know anymore. So do you also do it on an age basis? So somebody that's in their 70s that comes to you and says, you know what, I've now been diagnosed with stomach cancer or liver cancer, whatever it might be, what do I do? Do I go through all of that trauma of trying to be cured or do I have an, uh, another outlet? And it sounds terrible saying that, but a lot of these people are saying, would it not just be better for me to be able to take my own life legally? Look, <laughs> now we going. that's what I'm saying. We're going into a totally different sort of subject, but there are just so many questions, questions attached to the cost of survival. And the cost of survival. And I think, you know, we often talk about this and we often talk about how lots of insurances are just grudge purchases because yes. you're buying it and you don't know if you're going to need it. And if you do need it, will it be enough? And then a medical aid seems to be coming one of those things too. It's becoming Absolutely. a big grudge purchase. A, because we're going, why can't we have better hospitals? <laughs> Sure. Okay. Well, I'm not sure that's another program on its own. <laughs> and I know Dory, who's on the other side, who's been having a fantastic experience with a public hospital. Also, long-term treatment, chronic treatment has been having an incredibly good experience. But I want to talk about how does one, now that we're here, making the grudge, making purchase. the grudge purchase, how does one make the selection? Mm. Of which are the which are the places to go to, yeah. which are the things to consider, and and what, if anything, to throw away. No, I, I think that's a very valid point, and I think let's start at the beginning then, because let's have a look at the hospital or the the, the discoveries and the med schemes and the Fed Health and all of those. There are excellent products within each one of those, but I would say to somebody, look at your budget first. Because that's your starting point. It does not help paying 8,000 Rand a month on a medical aid if you really can't afford it. Because then it, it defeats the object. Defeats the purpose. Yeah. Defeats the purpose. So you need to look at your budget and say, what is it that I can afford? Um, let's say for yourself and for Conejo, if you guys look at it and you go, are we really, when last were we in hospital? What do we need it for? Do we need it for day to day? In other words, going to the doctor and things like that. Or do we need a hospital plan with a savings element? Because there's so many options. And then look at it from that point of view. You can go on, say, for an inst for instance, um, Discovery's got a classic range. But they've got a classic Delta Saver range. Now, the classic Delta Saver range, all it does is it says you need to go to specific hospitals. If something happens to you, which then, you know, as you're even saying, do you go for a hospital plan or what? What are your yes. needs? Yes. When you've assessed. For me, I always think about what what are my needs? So what are my basic no's yeah. before I get to the yeses? What yeah. are my basic no's? <laughs> I know it sounds terrible, but it, it just helps me. It helps my brain. OK, well, that's a great way to start. And, and my big no's. Um, in particular, when it comes to hospitalization, and I've been very blessed. I've not been in too many hospital situations, like having a baby, taking tonsils out, that mm. kind of stuff. But one of the things that's a big no for me is I do not want to be in a room with eight other people. <laughs> 
This ain't even oh a laughing matter, goodness, Michelle. I'm sorry. I have to because this wow. ain't even a laughing matter. <laughs> God, sorry. I'm just thinking now because it's going to cost you a fortune. So I know, right? I know. But I just can't. I will never get better. <laughs> I will never get better. And I'll tell you a funny story. So I, I <laughs> haven't been in the hospital ever, whatever. And nine years ago, exactly nine years ago, last Friday, because Ganejo turned nine on Friday. Oh, God bless <laughs> Happy birthday. Belated. <laughs> um, I was beside myself because we were on a medical plan and I knew that it doesn't give me a private room. Mm. Right. I knew this. And I was beside <laughs> myself about it. And I was just like, what am I going to do? And I went to, I used to go to all the baby shows. I told someone here last week, I used to go to all the baby shows. And, uh, and I'm walking around with my tummy and feeling sorry for myself <laughs> and whatever. And I come to, to the net care stand and my doctor operates from a net care hospital. So I went, um, to this, oh, look, went to go check it out and having this long conversation with this woman. And she's like, oh, so I'm like, yeah, I'm coming to one of your hospitals. And so how does that thing work with the single rooms? (laughs) (laughs) I actually think I had a meltdown with her because she gave me a voucher for a private (laughs) Okay, well, at least you got your private room. (laughs) But that, and, and as I was then in labor, and hearing people screaming on the other side, <gasps> I thought, "Thank God, thank God, I'm in the private room." Yes. So the private room is such it's a so thing important for me. to you. It's yeah. such a thing for no, me. Absolutely. I don't think I'd get well if you were not on your own. If I were not on my own, yeah. I hear you. Um, Jade went in for surgery yesterday, and it was literally a day up. So she went in at eight o'clock, came out at about half past nine. And she's like you. She's saying to me, Mom, this room is costing you more than a hotel room. So you know what? She stayed for lunch. (laughs) She says, I'm having hospital food. I have to experience it. It's the first time I've ever been in hospital. But to her, that was a big thing to actually have the hospital food. And then then you go to the budget. Then you go to the budget. So when I think about things like dread disease too, Mm. I think about it. It's so important to know before you get to the situation, yeah. because when you are incapacitated, then it's you, too late. You cannot make those decisions no, for yourself. No. But that's what we're saying. You've got to start at the one point where you're saying hospitalization or whatever it might be, oncology that you may need into the future. So your hospital plan is your base, is where you start off. And a lot of companies, like I think we spoke about it very briefly once, is your add-ons and we talk, spoke about gap cover. Now the gap cover is brilliant and I don't, and there's really a lot out there and they are excellent. You've got Zest Life, you've got Sunlum's gap cover, you've got a huge amount of people that sell it. So Michelle, I always, and you know this is my favorite question, is what do you ask a financial advisor? Okay. What is the information you bring on? If you, if you do have a family history of, Cancer. If you do have a family history of chronic illness, if you do have a family history, if you 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 know that you've had six people in your family, the you know the likelihood. Well, can I be honest with you? Financial advisors should should ask you those questions, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Because 
if they are doing a full financial needs analysis with you, they're going to start off with your life cover. And those questions will come out in the life cover because they have to determine your risk into the future. That's really what they're doing. They're determining your risk. So once a hospital plan is in place, your medical aid is in place, your gap cover is in place, this is the next step. So the next step is going to have your financial advisor saying to you, Pumi, let's have a look at this. What do you need? You have a home. And obviously you would not, you would like something left in the event of your death. So your life covers first. Then you start looking at disability. You start looking at rare disease. So those are the next questions that you're going to be asking. And that is when the family history comes in. If you have not experienced the family history, the chances are that it is something that the underwriters will keep in mind, but it might not determine how much you will pay for the rare disease. You also get different types of dread disease covers. So you'll get something which is a core dread disease, which will really cover the basic, the cancers, the heart attacks, the strokes. Then you'll get your more um, intense kind of dread diseases, which covers absolutely everything that you are diagnosed for. So those are kinds of things like motor neuron disease, um, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's to a certain extent. And that is where those decisions come in because I'll be very honest with you, dread disease is an expensive benefit. It is very expensive. And it also is determined by how long you take it. So you can have dread disease up until the age of 65 or 70 or for life. So you can imagine that if it's for life, it's going to cost you a heck of a lot more. Because due to age, people do get sicker when they get older. You deteriorate more. Yeah. I just had this conversation with some friends of mine, some girlfriends over the weekend about longevity, mm. the longevity of life, you know, because it's birthdays yeah. and <laughs> these are the <laughs> conversations you have. But just the issue of longevity, you know, I, I think about, you know, earlier this year we buried my grandfather and he was 88. Yeah. And I still have two grandmothers alive. <laughs> One in the 90s One in the upper 80s That is amazing But what that For me When I was having my financial needs Kind of analyzed Was You know what In the ordinary course of My life Looking at my family history You're going to live forever Please God I'm going to have a long life Yes You know And that Pissed me off (laughs) So much when the raids came back because I was so pissed off at the fact that they looked at the fact that you're going to live much longer, possibly, and not really look at the fact that that means that you are less likely to be sick. Mm. Because that's what it means for me when I think about my grandmothers, both of them, or my grandfather. And they will. Never been in hospital. So... Why is it that it's the negative that they take in and not the positive? Because the positive side of sure. it says this person will be well. This person is okay. a well person. All right. And so th- yeah. the cost of it. They don't necessarily look at you as an individual because it's not underwritten. It's not actually calculated in that way. What they do is they do little pots. So they've got little pots everywhere and they say, okay, in each of these pots, what have we got? We've got all the people that are 30 years old that are female that have never been in hospital or haven't been in hospital for the last five years, except maybe giving childbirth. So they put you all in little pots and then they will rate you according to your pot. 
So say now, for instance, they may have males age 55 who've all had um, maybe a little bit of a hospitalization due to um, one of them might have had a slight heart attack or a stress attack or an anxiety attack. So they'll put them in a pot. And that's really how it works. So they put people into pots and they ensure that people are then rated according to that. And that's how your premium is determined. What will deter your premium in the negative is if you have a family history. They will then either load you or they'll have you reinsured. In other words, then one company is going to say, listen, we can't take the risk on this person all on our own. We're going to ask other companies to take on a portion of the risk as well. Oh, really? Yes. So you've got reassurance companies. So what I want to to, to know on the issue of little pots, and I like that analogy because it, it, it makes it clearer in my mind, that they are 50, 30-year-olds, yes. and so they've spread the risk on these 30, on these 50 people. Or they've actually calculated the the premiums on those 50 people, yeah. So, because they're similar. Because I've always wondered what benefit there is to a a group scheme like that that has a lot of people. So these popular things, you know, if it's very popular, like like everybody at some point in time, I'm sure it's going to be different next year. Everybody was on Discovery because everybody wanted a gym membership through Vitality, yep. right? Yep. And I wondered if, does that make it any cheaper? Does that make it any better? So if you go, because that's the thing that I, I think about now as I'm looking at medical schemes and whatever, and I see one and I'm like, I've never heard this name before. Mm. Is it good? Will it, you know, will it cover me? Da, 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 da. And then this one, you hear everybody's on it. You know, there yes. was a time when everybody was on oxygen. Yes. And then and it was an old mutual one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. And, then, and now oh, oxygen is gone. Yeah. Now, or it's been taken over. Yeah, you know. And then there was, what what risks are there in these highly popular mm. schemes or ones that you just don't know about? The thing is, with your medical aids, it's they work on a different factor. They work on the younger lives actually taking care of the older lives within their pots, because you're going to have people that are very very healthy throughout their life. And may have one or two incidences, but you may have older people who start getting really ill. And then those will subsidize the older people. So that's kind of how they work your medical aids per se. And then also with the medical aids, what they do is they have reserves. So that is an important question to ask if you're looking at a newish medical aid scheme. How much is sitting in their reserves? What that means is, say now for instance, you have a 100 people on a scheme. And all of a sudden, 80% or 80 of those 100 people are claiming, yeah. can they cover all those claims? So you need to know what is the reserve that is sitting in those schemes. Can they cover those claims? That's an important factor with newer schemes. Mm. Mm. Is how much do they have in the background? Is there some, and, and to, to get the answer for that, is there some body? No, no, no. Somewhere they, that they have to disclose know, that. Is there, but what I mean is there is there an institute of yes there is a medical yeah there's a medical aid institute the South African Medical Aid Institute so you can look them up and they will give you all that information they're actually very very good it's a medical 
Schemes Council. Medical Schemes Council. Yeah. So you gotta check it out. If yeah. they're not registered, then they're gonna their permit scheme and they're gonna run yeah, away with your money. That's it. <laughs> so have a look at them, and, they, and as I said, they are excellent. When you phone them, they're very courteous, they're very helpful. They've got a great client care center. So I mean, you could even check up on medical aid brokers with them to mm. ensure that they are. Above board Because one of the things That that happens to a lot of people Is they get taken advantage no, of Of course They get taken advantage of Of course And if, you, if you've got any kind of fears If, you, if you're not sure If you It happens That you get taken advantage of And it's one of the things That makes it like hmm. No, no, no Absolutely And that's why we have the institutions That you can phone To request information from The FSB Financial Services Board Any questions You phone them You've got to ask, ask yeah, the questions. No, absolutely. Um, I'm Pumi Mashekhoi and I'm with Michelle David. We're talking about the cost of dread disease, what to look out for, what to ask about, and where to find the answers to the questions that are in your head. Where on Womanla and where? Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. I am a South African. I carry the hopes and dreams of my country and the generations to come. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm going to that really matters. At Sibanye, we believe the future of our country will be defined by our actions today, which is why we are committed to the development of our leaders. Sibanye, we are one. Visit us on sibanyegold.co.za. Um, I think this is an appropriate one to go into the second half of this show. Jonathan Butler talking lies. I'm Pumima Shekho and we're talking about the cost of dread disease. Mm-hmm. We're talking about how do you cover the hospitalization, the oncology, the doctor's visits, the this and that and that. Because it's October, because we're talking about breast cancer, because everybody's wearing a pink ribbon. But what's the real cost behind wearing that pink ribbon? Mm. You know, for people who have survived it, for people who've had cancer of any kind, men or women, how do they survive it? And why for me, the Jonathan Butler is the right one. <laughs> Besides the fact that I love the boy from Cape Town. I really, <laughs> really do. I love the boy from Cape Town. And I'm very sad that I missed him when he was here earlier, a couple of months ago at the Joy of Jazz. Um, but medical aids... And uh, insurances mm. And all of those things Part of the reason they are such grudge purchases Is because we all feel like they're trying to schnai us Correct. At the end of the day We're not sure what you're covered for The thing is 54 pages long You've got yep. terms and conditions Can you even say no to term number 54? Actually, no, I won't take that term Take that one out, change it Can you say no? no? Can you say no to the terms no. and conditions? And I think that's why it's so important for each individual to understand what they are purchasing I mean you're not going to go into a shoe shop And say I like those shoes Just give it to me You're going to ask for the right size You're going to ask for the right color And you're also going to ensure That they're well made So you, you're customizing what you want And that's the same thing with insurance And I think people don't understand That you can actually tailor make a product And when I say tailor make a product It all boils down to once again How much can you afford so that's when we said earlier on, you've got a core dread disease and you've got a comprehensive dread disease. You've got them that you can take them to different ages, but here's the big button. As I mean, I'm in this game and I'm saying to people, please understand what you are buying. Don't make assumptions. Don't let somebody 
talk a hole in your head about, oh no, this is the best red disease out there and you're going to be covered okay. for this. So, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> there's always a part, yeah. right? Understand what you are buying. Yes. I love that. Yes. Except for the fact that it's so hard to understand. No, it's not. They make it so hard to understand not anyway. Really. Not really, because it's very simple. If you see something that says core, then you know that you're only going to be covered for certain dread diseases or a percentage of a dread disease. So let's say, for instance, a person has a heart attack on a core cover. It means that we are going to look at certain things that are going to happen while you're having this heart attack. Did they do an ECG? Was there muscle damage? Was there enzyme changes in your body because of it? They're going to look at all of these factors and then decide what to pay according to that. So that's why I'm saying, remember core. Core is like basic. It's, it's like that really, apple that's been eaten yes, up. Yes. Yeah. It's basic stuff. But it is affordable to most people who are concerned about a dread disease. And that I think is important as well. Understand why you're buying it. Don't just buy it because your broker told you to. No. Buy it because it's something that you want in your portfolio and it's according to your budget. So remember core, basic. Then you get your comprehensive, which means they cover a heck of a lot more and a longer list of dread diseases. Because people also have to remember a dread disease is not just a cancer, is not just something that you may have a stroke. You can have a pulmonary embolism, which is linked to stroke, because it is, again, something that is covered. But it may not be covered in your core dread disease. You may have something like, um, I'm just trying to think about, yeah, motor neuron disease. That will be covered in your comprehensive, but maybe not in your core. So it's important to read the 52 pages. Well, it's important to understand the concept of what you are purchasing. And again, if you buy a house, do you read your bond contract? Wow. Well, should you? Wow. <laughs> because again, you need to understand is what is the purchase. <laughs> no, there's not a there's not an option B. Um, that's why I'm saying it is really on the onus of the individual taking out the policy to understand what they are covered for. However, it is also the onus of the financial advisor or the broker to tell the client that these are some of the issues that they need to look out for. And that is important. Don't just sort of go, oh, well, you know, you've got dread disease. What type of dread disease have you sold the client? Have you explained to the client what you have sold to them? Because people don't read their contracts, that I can promise you. The contract is on the back It is 54 pages long It is on the back of those pages yep. It's red you, no, yeah, That thing's no, not designed absolutely. for you to read <laughs> No, it's to protect the companies it's That thing's no, not absolutely. designed for no, you to read No, it's for the companies It's to protect them Which is why I know you're not going to be able to say Actually, I don't agree with number 16 yeah. Can we just change the wording on Correct. number 16? Because no, they won't No, they won't However, when you say understand the concept of what it is that you're buying, that I can buy yes. into, that I can, yes. I can, I can. Because there is, there is about a three or a four page or let's say a four or five pager 
which will actually show you what you are covered for and the percentage you are covered for. So again, another very important thing for people to understand is that you have two types of rider benefits that you can get. You can get something called a standalone or you can get something called an accelerated. Now, if you buy a standalone, it means that I have purchased a million rand life cover. I have purchased a million rand dread disease and those are standalone. So should I get a dread disease and it is covered comprehensively, I will get a million rand paid out to me. If I then die thereafter, the million rand is paid to my beneficiaries. But you can also get an accelerated benefit, which means it's cheaper, number one. Well, not much, but it is cheaper, which means that say now, for instance, I get a dread disease. The million is payable to me, but then I have no more life cover left. (laughs) Your face. Oh, my God. What? (laughs) Yeah. That is called an accelerated benefit. Now, people have to know about this. And a lot of people have purchased this product not knowing that it's an accelerated benefit. Right. But this is always the thing. You go to a financial advisor. Michelle, you know the questions to ask. You are in the industry. You are in the business. So you understand, you understand those, those terms. When somebody says to you accelerated benefits, you understand the term, even as somebody explains but you accelerated don't. benefits. But for a person like me yes. and many of our listeners, of course. I have never heard. The only kind of acceleration I can think of is, is putting, car. putting down the foot, right? <laughs> Which gets you into trouble. Yes. Right, so that's so the, this accelerated benefit also gets you into trouble. Yeah, I get. Yeah. but I'm just saying when the brokers then saying, <laughs> okay, that's why right from the beginning, what have I always said? Trust the person you're with. Make sure you are comfortable and never stop asking questions, because at the end of the day, the broker again is working within your budget. You are saying to the broker, "I have five hundred rand to spend." That's it. The broker must say to you, "Okay, for me, you've got five hundred rand to spend." I can give you a dread disease. However, that dread disease is only going to be a core dread disease, and this is what it means. I'm also going to make it an accelerated benefit, and this is what it means. So now, instead of the broker giving you a million cover and a million dread disease, he's going to say to you, why don't we do this? We give you a million cover and 500,000 dread disease. Because should you get paid out that 500,000, it's minus off your life cover, which means there's still 500,000 left. Those are the kinds of things that you must trust your broker to speak to you about. So not necessarily what do I ask him, how is he explaining what he is selling? Or so, she? so it's called insurance because it's insuring against an unknown. Correct. Is there ever a time when it is advisable for one to not take that additional insurance? It is really dependent on the individual. You cannot make a blank statement and say, don't take it, take it. It is up to the individual. Firstly, affordability. So remember, you can start off with life insurance and you can add rider benefits at a later stage. It doesn't mean that you have to take all of it together because then it doesn't work. You can take it piece by piece. And that to me is what each individual should be doing. They must start at one point and as their situations change, then start adding. 
the, and does it become more expensive that way? Absolutely. I mean, if I if I start if I, if I take out life cover. Mm. And I'm 25. Yes. And I've got my first job and it's a great job, but I don't have a lot of money. So I take out life cover. But at 25, the likelihood really of me it? getting, the likelihood yeah. of me getting a dread disease or any, you know, is small. Yeah. But at 35, my life has changed. I may have a child. I may have. To, to reconsider all of those Correct. things But the fact that I'm now taking it at 35 It will become more expensive It's more expensive Yes Right Yes Or is it much of a muchness the Taking thing it is, earlier and paying longer Or taking it later and paying more For a shorter period of time What is lovely about it is that That most companies have different um, options When you're taking out When you're paying a premium so what they do is they look at the premiums and again, remember our little pots, they can put you into different pots. So you can say to them, you know what, I'm prepared to pay 10% more each year on my premium if you keep all my stuff the same. So in other words, I just want the million. I don't want it to increase. I don't want it to get better or bigger. I just want the million, but I'm prepared to pay 10% annually on the premium more. So what does that mean? It means that I'm paying for a cheaper upfront and then it becomes more expensive as it goes along. So I'm actually in essence paying for say one point or I'm paying for the million, but where it would have cost me a hundred rand, I'm now paying 150 upfront mm -hmm. and then it's going up. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually paying a little bit less and then goes more. And then you've got other options, like with Sunlam, I know they've got something called an age-rated premium, which is quite clever. So what they did, what did they do? They throw everybody into the same pot of that age, and they say, okay, what has our claim ratios been like in this pot? What premium can we give this client? And sometimes it's a better premium than if I had to take it on a level-term premium. So that's that. something that you also can look at is – how do I pay for something now? So do I get a discount upfront or do I get a discount later? But it's affordable to my budget. And everybody's favorite. One company started it and now all of a sudden all of everybody is doing a cashback. Cashback bonus. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's brilliant. I am so grateful to Archurance for starting this crap. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> you gotta, you gotta tell me. You gotta qualify no, that. They, they have, they have started something which so many people moan about. And when you always, you, cause you always say it's a grudge, grudge purchase. And it's the truth. But now what's happening? People are saying, crap, I have to buy this because I've got a family. I've got a family history of Dread disease. Um, what if I can't work? I need income protection. Now we're saying, okay, great. We will now let you take out all of that stuff, but it becomes less of a grudge purchase because now we're adding another element to it and saying that after 15 years, you're going to get all your premiums back. And people are going, that is freaking amazing. I know. I hate it. Hey, I hate it so much. It says 15 years. And I think, oh, my goodness. Jesus, a long time. When am I going to get yeah. to 15 years? Yeah. But, okay. Oh, no, I don't know if I should say. Yeah. But now companies are also, <laughs> <laughs> insurance companies are getting smart because the chances of somebody actually keeping that 15-year bonus 
or 15 years on one product is very slim. Very, very slim. <laughs> really? Do people chop and change? Remember people, what, what have you, we've just been talking about. We've just said companies change the structure of their product because one person does something different. So you get new generation policies. So each few years, one company starts some smart-ass idea, and then it's a domino effect, and everybody does it. Yeah, like so it's new generation policies. Well, that's what I said to you. Remember, Mm. so we spoke about vitality. Momentum's got multiply. Sunlum's got reality. Um, Liberty's also got. Yeah, they've got. um, Gosh, what is it? Gives you free parking at Santa. Oh my gosh! Okay, (laughs) what is this called? I can't for the life of me think of it right now. I don't know, but all I know is when I come to Santa City all the time, there's a little tag there when you get your ticket. Yes, that says if you were a Liberty customer, (laughs) you could be parking for free. Okay, well. That's why I'm saying people get on the bandwagon and everybody berated old um, insurance mm. about this 15 years. They really mm. did. And they said it's not their game. They shouldn't be doing it. And did it. But they were smart. They were really, really smart. And they got a huge amount of client base because of that. So now the other companies are going, ah, crap, we're losing our own business. What do we do? <laughs> we do have to something. give the same. Mm. But let me tell you that you actually are paying for that cash back. That's the of honest, you are. that's the honest to goodness thing. You're actually purchasing an endowment that will pay out that amount at the end of the 15 years. So you're actually buying an endowment within a life product. Oh, wow. Which is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Yeah, you can use it yeah. to save. So, and you know, there, there is something of a paid up element. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, which is great, you know. And I'm always the one thing I'm always wondering about. So we've spoken about you've got to start with your budget. You've got to start with your needs. You've got to look at realistically. Favorite word, Michelle. <laughs> realistically, hashtag. What what is what is right for you? Correct. And the honesty and trust between you and your broker is important. It's vital. It's it's. That's the only thing that's important. But the the thing I'm always wondering about, um, which I suppose we can't even come to an answer about it, is there is an entire industry geared around cancer. Yes. Everybody's benefiting except you. Yeah. Right. You're buying no, the pink ribbons, you're donating the money, you're walking for change, you're all of those things are an entire industry. And one of the things that I'm I'm always looking at and thinking about is this industry that has been created around this thing. How sustainable is it? You know, like if three years from now there's a cure for cancer. Everybody collapses. I'm never going to get my 15-year bonus. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Everybody sure. collapses. So is this a thing that, and this may be sounding like a conspiracy theory, <laughs> something that we're never going to be able to get out of? And so maybe everybody should start thinking about it more and more and and putting it in their basket of purchases. Mm. I think it's a very personal thing as well. My biggest fear is not being able to take care of my family. That is my personal biggest fear. And I will do whatever I can within my means to ensure that should something happen to me, Mm. that they are taken care of. And that is my 
personal ethos, mm-hmm. taking care of my family. That's my thinking. And I think more and more people are looking at it and going, okay, I have a history of breast cancer, cervical cancer, prostate cancer within my family. What happens if this happens? Do I have enough reserve in an emergency fund to cover all the costs should my medical aid benefits run out? Because there, it's it's almost an what if. What if this happens? Because it may not happen. So I go, shit, I've spent 600 rand a month just on a dread disease and I've never had a dread disease. You're almost kind of wishing you had a heart attack. <laughs> So, <laughs> no, well, I wouldn't go no, that no, no. far. No. Definitely but the thing not. is that people are becoming more aware of what if I can't do this? What is in place to ensure that my lifestyle doesn't change? Because people's lifestyles change dramatically when something like this happens, when a dread disease happens. Mm. I People's remember. lives really do change. Not, n- two years ago now, I think, Michelle, when we had... Um, Adele here. Adele here. Yeah. I have never forgotten that conversation. Do you know that she still is in financial problems and her mom passed away in January? Really? Yep. She still has not got herself out of the debt that they put themselves in when her mom got cancer. Because purely it's a survival mode now. How do you get back to where you were? Sure. And that's why I'm saying people are really becoming more aware of the need of ensuring that their lives can carry on as normal. And that is why we have all these extras. And that's just the reality of it. Yes, it's costing us more. But my medical aid is not going to cover oncology forever if something should happen. But if I had dread disease... And I got paid out a million rand. I think it could help substantially with having my lifestyle staying where it is. And you know, girl, one of the things that every time we have these money conversations, I always walk away with is the need for for honesty with self. Mm. Because it, it is just such a thing. To have to be honest with yourself about what you can and cannot do. Absolutely. Just like earlier, and I know you think I'm, <laughs> I was being, but just like earlier, when even the ethical questions that come up, I think two weeks ago when we saw the letter from, or in the Huffington Post and New York Times with um, Bishop Tutu mm. talking about euthanasia. Yes. You know, even the ethical questions. Sure are so important to have that conversation because I think about Adele, whom I haven't seen in two years. Yes. But back then, talking about all of the cost, talking about the burden, talking about all of that, and knowing now that her mother's still gone. Yes, her mom's still gone, and she died a horrible death. She literally drowned in her own fluids. Mm. So, I mean, where where does our dignity go to? When these things happen, mm. I just, my, my mind really doesn't collate everything properly mm. to say yes or no or maybe. It's, it's kind of a mix mm. of how would I react as a human being and how would I react if somebody that I knew did it. It's amazing. No, it's it's amazing because 
more and more we have to look after our parents. Correct. More and more we have to look after ourselves in ways that we've never had to in the history of humanity. No, of course. Never had to look after ourselves in this way. Because we don't have an infrastructure which supports people getting sick. That's the problem. We don't have that. It's very sad. So, girls, look deeply and truly at yourself and your life and your budget. What can you afford? What are you willing? What are you willing to put on the line mm. for your survival and your families? Yeah. Cervical cancer is a reality. Breast cancer is a reality, and many, 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 many other types of cancers that are springing up everywhere. Whether it is for you as the survivor or for a family member, it's important that you weigh up your options before the eventuality. You know, you've got to make make those decisions and make them make the hard choices before you find yourself in the pain mm. that is inevitable. I'm Pumimashekho, and I'm with Michelle. Michelle. <laughs> Michelle, how do people get hold of you? Again, how people get hold of you if they're looking for a financial advisor, if they're looking for financial advice, if you've got questions about any of the stuff that we've spoken about, if you're unclear about the core versus the essential versus no, the... No, absolutely. What was it's that easy. one? Essential? It's just the, comprehensive. It's a comprehensive. Yeah. yeah, but I've even forgotten yeah. <laughs> whether it's essential or comprehensive. How do we get hold of you, the Michelle? The easiest way is michelle.dave at vodamail.co.za. Send me a mail and I will respond immediately and and this is where you say I'm a registered <laughs> no well I am a registered financial advisor and the thing is though right from day one trust the person you chat to trust that person to give you the correct advice and if you ever feel uncomfortable walk away and find somebody new it's a very simple thing to do it's your money and you better That's take care it. of it, girls. It's your money and you better take care of it. Thanks for tuning in and keeping it real with us. We'll see you again next week. Bye all.